So many of us start our business with an idea or a passion that may involve, you know, randomly sort of getting started and not thinking really about what is it we're building. Our next guest thought so intentionally about the brand that she's building all the way down to what does her shop smell like? What is the experience? When do I remove products? How do I introduce launches? How do I tag my store onto my website so they're coexist but also interactive? Brand is such an important play. You're really gonna find it fascinating to hear the level of detail that Laura White of Archwinetka has put into her store. I think that we can all learn a lot from branding and the real telltale is what do you do with that brand that elevates the entire experience. Okay, so Laura, I um, felt like I was going back in time in a great way when I first met you because I um, grew up in family business and in retail, and in retail very similar to yours in that it was very, something you never saw anywhere, very diverse, um, nothing cookie cutter about it. So give me the story of Arch and how you got it so fabulous as you have hmm. it today. Well, as many things are, you know, there's little seeds that lead up to everything. But um, we opened our store two years ago, um, but that doesn't really mean anything because I've always been playing around with stores for probably 20 years. I've had eight pop-ups in, I'm sorry, five pop-ups within eight years. And that was kind of my business model for so long. And then COVID happened and that changed everything. Like it changed so many other things, but um, Basically what happened was I had a pop-up in the space that, that is uh, Arch right now and I um, asked the landlord, I said I want to have first right of refusal just in case and this was right when stores were opening up but we were still wearing masks so COVID was still happening and I think everybody thought I was crazy. Basically within the first week three people wanted my space so I that night I went home and my husband said well you know you got to open up a store. You've always wanted it, you got to do it. And I said, no, I don't think I want to do it. I'm scared. And, you know, he basically was like, no, it's, this is the time. So we opened up the store and it's been fast and furious ever since. Um, How did you know to have pop-ups when pop-ups weren't really a thing eight years ago? They were, well, I had heard, first heard about that they were happening in New York City and a friend of mine, it was her idea. And she said, let's open up a pop-up. And this was, um, yeah, it was definitely eight years ago or more. And uh, how did I hear about it? I don't know. I love shop. I, you know, started my business when my first daughter was born. Um, and at that point, I was making handbags. That was during the Kate Spade era. Okay. Which, I don't know, you're younger than I am, so you, I don't know if you ever had a Kate Spade bag, but it was like the big, the bag. So I designed handbags through a manufacturer in New York. And each handbag, that what made it unique was they had vintage buttons on them. And the, the buttons I turned into pins so you could take them off and put different ones on them. And that evolved into vintage jewelry and then that evolved into vintage furniture. And then I started doing the Antiques and Modernism show here in Winneka and I did the Botanical Garden show at the, um, which was the Antique and Garden show. Sure. And so in between that, I would have like little people over to my house and little stores here and there and then that, was really like the beginning of pop-ups and then I just got the bug and I'm like, I gotta, 
I gotta keep going. Okay, so there's lots of parts of business, and I think even in my own companies, there's parts I do and parts I like and parts I don't even touch. What part of this entrepreneurial part is you? I hear a lot of creative. Yeah. How are you on the numbers? Oh, numbers are not my thing <laughs> <laughs> at all. If, if I could just, I've hired um, somebody recently in the last year who was like, she laughs. People say, well, what are you doing for her? And she's like, I do everything Laura doesn't want to do. Um, but I've learned a lot as I've done it, you know, numbers do matter. And, um, and you know, I do check my reports every single day. So I say, I don't like numbers, but when they're, when they're good, I love them. Um, but I am definitely more of a creative person. Uh, my husband just recently came on board and he's not exactly a numbers guy either. We're both creatives. He left advertising. So, um, but we've got people to help us with those deficits, you know, knowing what your weakness is yeah. and um, knowing what your strengths are. I think that's like part of the journey as well. 100%. I think yeah. it's smart to rely on people as long as you try to trust but verify. So yeah. <clears throat> I've had a lot of friends under the guise of, well, I've got a guy. Yeah. And they give the guy too much rope and um, still don't know the numbers. So I always think when you're investing, because I'm guessing the investment for you is the space and the inventory. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we have our own line. So we're, and we're re uh, releasing two new products this fall. So the investing is in the manufacturing of that product as well. Yeah, so I mean, I think just thinking about how do, do you or the, the CFO, how do you gauge um, success? Like liking the numbers. Um, <laughs> I remember early on in my business career, um, just thinking everything looked great, but then those bills from China, which is where I was buying inventory and you know, containers were 200 to a million dollars of inventory yeah. were coming and I'm like, but wait, why don't I have money? It says here I'm making money. Right. You know, right. like where's yeah. the money to pay the yes. <laughs> so, yes. cash um, flow is a big, big yeah, cash issue. Flow. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how would you grow in the model you're in enough to where you could kind of invest in all the products that you wanted to create? Honestly, right now it's about timing and pacing. Like not there's you know, there's always something more like we talked about that earlier. There's always this, that's the creativity part, but timing it and releasing it on a, in a, in a timely manner when you were, I mean, you know, we are growing and it is going quickly. So I, we're working on that as far as, um, making projections. That's one of the jobs that this new woman that we hired is helping us with, but it's really about not releasing too much and maybe growing too much too fast. I know that's a buzzword I hear a lot, but a lot of it's intuition, which you might be like, what intuition? But that's like really pretty powerful for us. No, I, I, think it, I think listening to your gut, I mean, some people have it very tuned up and if you have it tuned up, it's good. Talk to me about this idea, which I like what you do, but I'm just sitting here thinking about how does the internet mess you up on this is if you release vendors and at some point you said you pull them back yeah. because you, aren't wanting to overexpose that vendor. Yes. Do you then create something where you've developed a, a customer for that vendor mm -hmm. and now they're hooked on that product and they're just going to go get it on the internet? That's exactly right. And that's why, that's why we've developed this business model. That's something we're acutely aware of. I mean, that happened with a line that we're, we carry from Paris and people would come in and say, Oh, I, I bought this online. And I was like, wait a minute. I know everybody wants to support local businesses, but to an extent, right? They want it faster. You know, I'm very aware of how, how that works. So our business model at this point, we are 70% vintage. So 
we really want to draw people into the store because they know that there's something they cannot get anywhere else. Okay. Our tagline is undeniably unique and we really hold that to the whole um, idea of we find new vendors and it's always our intention we're going to carry them for a temporary amount of time. Hopefully we find them before anybody else has. That's a big thing that we look for. And then we're like, sorry, you know, you can get it online. And we want you to keep coming back because what's next? What what do you have that I haven't discovered yet? And we, I'd love to be considered a brand that um, people come to to find out what is the next hottest thing that I haven't discovered yet. And And on top of that, we really are all about stories. We call ourselves the little shop of stories and there are so many stories to tell and that's what we love to do and that's what's interesting and it's engaging. So um, you can't keep telling the same story every time. Our store is small but mighty and it can be that because things rotate all the time. I think um, from an in-shop perspective you've got it slayed and I think that However, you get people back, which I think maybe is your fresh flowers on Fridays and some mm -hmm. of the different events you do, your book signings. Um, I'm just wondering, a big thing in business that I've always been taught is that the reoccurring revenue is powerful so you can keep growing. So right. you can rely on these three things to keep going, whether it's you, your husband, or an employee doing it, they're going to buy. Mm -hmm. And then you can be working on the new. And it's almost like thinking about how could you at least put those vendors that you d developed, you developed the customer base, you have a loyal customer base, how could you put those online? Um, maybe you don't carry the inventory and say, hey, come on in, you mm. can get 10% off. Because I don't know, the cost of all business for all of us is acquiring a customer. Right. Growing and maintaining a customer is not very expensive. Right. I just don't like that you're giving up the customer back to the brand after you did all the heavy lifting. Yeah, but I think that's what's unique about what we're doing is how we're defining our customer. We want our customer to come back to us because we have something undeniably unique. And um, I mean, I think you have to be moving at the pace of yeah. like how things are rolling, right? And so um, I think that's really you know, there there are some basics that we will always carry, yeah. for sure. Um, but I don't want to be known for that. I want to be known for what's what's new. And and that's what the vintage affords, really. Is. Yeah. You can't get this anywhere else. And no, it's, a, it's I mean, it's not an easy business, what you're talking no, about. No, it's I not. Mean, it, you're basically doing events in a shop. Yes. And I think events business is the hardest business we could ever put our hands yeah, on. Yeah, probably. And it seems like your passion. Totally, yeah. Why can you find, so really, if the old school way of doing it, my parents went to Europe where the brands were and they went around Italy and they meet vendors and that guy would go, go talk to this guy and, you know, ended up bringing some big brands we know today to us for the first time. But mm -hmm. like now you could just go through your Instagram and figure out that, which is crazy. Yeah. So how can you source things that people haven't heard of? Like what makes you so good at that? Yeah. Um, hard work, but, um, you know, I, I've trained my eye. I, don't like anything basic. I like things that are, you, you just know it when you see it. And that this is the vintage world. You know, we, we haven't talked about like our line of products at all, but in the vintage world, um, it is that sourcing element that is key. And it's, I've been doing it for a really long time. So it, it's about relationships and um, constantly trying to think about how to get in there a little sooner before somebody else gets it. You gotta, you gotta people have to like you and they wanna have to work with you. And, um, and that's not hard. I love 
people absolutely love stories and talking with people about their stories and and again it's the vintage so it's the story and the history of a piece so sourcing it's fun it's you know so let me ask you this so like i know that let's just take lipstick not that that's one of your private labels but mm -hmm. um chanel lipstick and if i came out with a lipstick the lady boss lipstick would mm -hmm. be made by the same people yep. more or less right packaged by the same people right. and it would cost five dollars now chanel's going to sell it for 48 and mm -hmm. i'm going to sell it for 10. Mm -hmm. Why did you believe that people would trust the Arch brand enough to private label things? Mm. That's a good good question. Um, you know, I guess, well, right now I'm pretty central, centrally or locally located and I've been, I live in the community so people know me and I believe that they trust me. But I'm going to say the power of packaging is okay. really huge. I, my dad was a graphic designer, a package designer, so I grew up like you with your background of your dad being an entrepreneur, your parents being entrepreneurs, I mean, we sat around the table and talked about ideas and uh, what this should look like. I need a name for this. Let's talk about names for things. And and that was very much what my husband did yeah. um, in, over the last 30 years. So um, packaging, you know, you can convey trust through packaging. You convey a feeling through packaging. And um, our store has a feeling. There's, there's an emotion there. And... I don't think it has anything to do with me. I, I don't know what it is, but it's just a good... No, I think you hit it. I mean, so look, if we we didn't know a thing about Chanel, we'd say, that why do they get 48 bucks? Yeah. They have good packaging. I grew yeah. up in the packaging business. My first career was all packaging. And, okay. I, and I think when I saw your products and I was like, wow, they look super high end. I don't know what's inside. It could be junk. Right. They but it's not. No, I know it's not. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is yeah. I, the first impression was really yeah. strong. So automatically you would have expected to pay more. And I think yes. that um, that's that's a good, it's marketing. Yeah. Right? So you come from a marketing background, graphic design background, your husband's background, I right. think. Yes. Um, yeah, for so sure. your competency there is marketing and what you're leaning on. I yeah. think that's really... I was fed on that. That's kind of what I wanted to... Because I think a lot of people do private label to make more profits. Uh -huh. And I'm guessing that private label is a more profitable venture for you, but not Uber because of the packaging. Is that true? Yeah, I was going to say, I still believe in spending more money on the packaging. Not just that it looks expensive, but I believe you actually have to spend the money on that. Yep. Um, it's important how the paper feels. The um, You can see it. Yeah. 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 So Laura, we talk always want to talk about scaling because mm -hmm. I think um, you're you're very growth focused. What uh, what does the next couple of years of growth look like, and when do you know you've hit your success goals? Hmm. Well, I think we've hit the first success goal because we are already looking to open up um, a bigger space because there's a lot more offerings that we're um, getting in the queue to offer. Still in Winneka. Yes. Oh, nice. It's not, not a done deal, but um, we would love to have a couple of stores. For us, it's really, we're not shopkeepers. We're really, truly trying to build the brand of Arch and what does Arch represent. And I think if you pay a lot of attention to, and I do pay attention to this, what's the common psyche? What's going on in our world? Like, I'm fascinated by that. Mm -hmm. Like, what do we need? How do we feel? And um, that was the thing I thought about when we first opened up the store. I said, because it was COVID, as I mentioned before, or we were just coming out. And I connected so much with people through masks. And people were telling me, I don't feel good. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where to do, where to go. And I thought, 
I want this to be a place where people feel better when they walk in. And so that's why we have flowers, that's why we have plants, that's why things smell good. There's high ceilings and natural light, like all those things make a difference. Mm -hmm. There's good music. Um, it's that experience. So, so more stores. What was my question? More stores. What do I want to do? Yes, more stores in really unique places. I, I also like to pay attention to like, where are people going? Okay, but not everyone's, everyone's going there. So where's the next place that someone's going that we haven't discovered yet? That, that fascinates me. Um, so I think there's, I think that this is a golden age of retail. I think it's, um, it's yes, it's extremely challenging, but people are responding to that little brand and that little feeling that they have when they use something from a store or when they step into a store or when they go onto a website that feels a little bit different and they feel like they're getting something special. So in that same way, we are looking for that, what, what is that next town or vibe? And I think there's a lot of, I see a lot of people, a lot of brands popping up in bigger stores, um, which I think is really kind of interesting, at least maybe having a pop-up, especially with the vintage in a place um, coast to coast. And uh, it's exciting, really no, exciting. No, yeah. and I mean, creativity never goes out of style. So no, can't wow stop. Wowing your customers. So How do you lure your husband into the business? He's always been kind of, uh, it's been in the plan for a long time, actually. Um, you know, he is a, was a creative director in advertising, and that was made a lot of sense to me, to him, like, you know, let's use your skills here, your marketing skills, your contacts, your development. Um, but he always loved going to flea markets. Like when we were first married, we go to flea markets and he loves the thrill of the hunt just as much as I do. So that wasn't hard. Um, his mom is actually somebody who was a role model for me very early on. She, after I had my first baby three months in, she said, Laura, whatever you do, you have to do something else or else you'll go nuts. <laughs> and I took it to heart and she was the one that would take Rob, my husband and I to the Antiques and Modernism show when we were really young. And she said, look at this. She taught us about quality and, you know, just really unique things. And um, so it, it was natural and his, his father was an entrepreneur. So it was, it's, it was not hard. It was, it was hard to keep him at work okay. actually. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it makes sense. I, I yeah. um, and you know, like I told you, my parents' business, which was custom clothing, was at a different generation. I mean, really, but he took it from Providence to Chicago. He dressed every CEO in New York that wanted a certain look that couldn't just get it off the rack. And you know, he oh, made wow. made to measure clothes, and it looked hard. From my observation, it was a six and a half day a week. Yeah. Always re, you know, starting over the sale. Maybe with you, it wasn't you know what you're wearing today it was the next thing but it's hard and is it, is it it's a labor entrepreneur yeah. hard though i mean i think that well it is i think for me it it's less hard the bigger you get really so, that's encouraging i like hearing that yeah i think not enough people realize that they we all get fear about things mm -hmm. but the bigger you get and i don't mean over expanding i love that you're thinking about like the timing of expansion but you can handle something a lot bigger than you really know until mm. you're asked to do it. You don't know it. Mm -hmm. And just the numbers, the math just gets a lot easier. So the, the basic worries of a smaller business aren't there. Uh -huh. The worries are more around people uh -huh. and inventory maybe um, or production. But I think all those things are pretty block and tackling. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I found that playing... Um, 
upstream has always been um you know easier hmm. than playing downstream where every customer matters where every sale matters yeah I because you're not coming from scarcity you're just coming right. from like there if it's not this it'll right. be next and you can really kind of churn the wheel faster uh-huh. and go faster which i also like and i think is you know you said it in the world we live in um amazon has made it so that they you know we all expect delivery same right. same or yeah. next day next day wasn't good enough so we went to same day <laughs> <laughs> what? Right. Um, and you know, I make custom products and people think it should be there. And so I just said, okay, we're going to start making them in a week or a week or two. Mm. And nobody's talking about the price. Right. They realize, oh, I can get a custom product fast, which mm-hmm. is what the requirement mm-hmm. is. So I think your business just fascinates me. It's so close to um, what I grew up with. Mm-hmm. And yet every single thing in the world has changed and you seem to be making it thrive. How much of your business is online versus um, in the shop? Great question. So we're launching, um, we have a website. It's not great. It's not slick. It's the navigation has been, you know, it's been just kind of cookie cutter. And so uh, Monday we had a photo shoot and we are um, hoping to launch our new website with better navigation and more products and more. um, That's really kind of this key. I think our goal is to be a two pronged fork where the website brings people into the store, the store leads people to the website, and um, I really think that's kind of an engine that can churn um, so much better. So right now, um, around the holidays, our website gets, you know, is much busier, but right now it's probably 10% of our business. So we wanna, you know, grow that for sure, and I think there's a lot of room for that. Um, I was gonna ask you when you were talking earlier, since you have so much experience, are there any indicators in your mind where, where you, how do you know when to expand? How do you, is there, or do you just do it? You know, are there, are there like little flags? Hey, you know what? I really think it's time. Well, I mean, I think, um, if you, if you feel outside forces, it's too late. You uh-huh. know, if you feel, you know, as an example, you're in Hubbard Woods at once upon a time, Hubbard Woods had empty stores all right. over there. Well, if you looked around and said, I'm not next to anybody, it's too late. Yeah. Right? It's so sure from, a you know, I don't I call it not stock picking but like if you start seeing trends then you need to think well why would they get better or why would they change if mm-hmm. one guy across the street goes out and the next guy goes out you go something's changing here mm-hmm. maybe I need to relocate mm-hmm. same thing with the website if you start seeing you know okay Christmas is good well okay great what are we doing Christmas and why couldn't it be great during the rest of the year right what buttons did we hit during Christmas because it's not organic traffic probably mm-hmm. you know we all have to you know paid ads and do things on our social to get you know activity or did I not put enough new things on? Did I not hit right. the you gotta, you website gotta. with the you know newsletter? So I like like looking at the numbers in the sense of what are they telling me really? Mm-hmm. And I think the good financial people are very have a creative mind, not creative accounting. Mm-hmm. They're looking at the numbers and see the trends, and then ask you the questions. Mm-hmm. Why does this line look better? Why has vintage gone down? Why right. is the website yeah. picking up? I mean, if you had crazy huge growth and it was unexplained would it be good I, well you have to be able to explain you know it. Yeah. you have yeah. to be able to plan yeah. for it and yeah. know for it and know what button you push right so it's no different than you know social media and if you got a whole gaggle of new followers but you didn't know why mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that wouldn't resonate with me as hard as hey we hit this this and this strategy mm-hmm. we know that this one worked and this was the result. Right, 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 right. So I think just trying to tie actions to results uh-huh. is a powerful mm. thing that you can do. So you go, oh, that worked. Let me put the pedal down. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. 
All right, where can people find you? You mean our address or Instagram? Uh, I, I would say Instagram, and I was going to tell you, actually, Instagram actually sells probably more than our website right now. We sell so much directly through Instagram oh, all great. over the country. It's really such an amazing marketplace. Um, so you can find us at Arch by Laura White. You can find us on our website, but don't look at it until the end of this month because it's going to be so much better, um, which is archglow.com. And then you can find us in Hubbard Woods at 913 uh, Green Bay Road. That's awesome. Thank you.